blessing of the Father. He does not withhold His hand from you or His presence from you. But He invites you. He said, come, come be with me, my child. I made a way through my son, Jesus, and now you're my son, you're my daughter. There's so much to show you in this kingdom that He's prepared for all of us. This kingdom that He just, just shares, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, we welcome you guys here to Healing School. Are you glad to be here? We do a little bit, uh, as of lately, we've just, as we started, we've just kind of been uh, doing this more of unplugged kind of worship. And so I think, uh, I think the whole idea here is that as we get in an atmosphere of worship and we get our eyes fixed on Jesus, we don't get our eyes on the problem and, and, and healing, you know, trying to seek healing and all these things. We just, we focus our eyes on Jesus and that, I think, sets the tone pretty well for what we're, what we're here to do. And so uh, let's, uh, let's, just, uh, let's just worship God. It's going to be great. I'm so thankful for all that he's done for us. stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength we bow down and worship him now how great how awesome is he and together we sing everyone sing It's rising up. 
sin had left a crimson stain, he washed in white as snow. He washed in white as
just in response to what he's done for us, let's just begin to let our own song come from our hearts. Begin to let your own words express thankfulness to him. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you've done. Praise the one who paid my debt. He paid my debt. Purchased our healing.
even minister to you now just to begin to, to let us let him speak to us Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Healing School. Welcome. You can be seated if you want. Praise God. Thanks for coming. This is uh, Caris Bible College Healing School. And uh, my name is Ashley Terrades. And we've just got a few things to tell you, first of all. First of all, we have a, a form. It was in your packet. It says Healing School on the top. And it's a participation form. Um, if you could fill that in and sign that, that's very, very important for us. Um, if you need one of them forms, if you haven't got them forms, our ushers have got the forms. Um, raise your hand and the ushers will give you them forms. And what we want you to do, if you could just fill that in now, um, sign it, 
and go ahead and just put it in the offering bucket is the best thing you can do. So we're going to have the offering buckets come through in a minute. Just go ahead and just fold it up and put it in that offering bucket. That would be great. But we need that from you. So if you need a, a form, just keep your hand raised. That would be great. And our ushers will get to you as quick as they can. But just keep your hand raised. That would be great. And uh, we need everyone to do one of them forms. It's, like I said, it's in your packet. But otherwise, we can uh, go ahead and give you one. So keep your hands raised. They're coming to you. Just, uh, you can just pretend you're praising the Lord while you've got your hand raised. That's great. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Well, this is going to be a great time together. We're going to have a time of ministry. We've got a time of teaching. And um, it's just going to be great. The Lord's here. Everyone heard Daniel preach this morning. How good was that? We haven't got to beg or plead or anything. The Lord's here with us. He's in us. And he's, uh, he's, uh, he's right here. He's everything you need. Just like we heard from the word that come forward in tongues, interpretation of tongues. The Lord's here. He's everything we need. Praise God. So that's powerful. That's really powerful. So go ahead. Keep your hands up. We're going to get you them, get you them forms. That's great. Thank you. And uh, we're going to give you a chance. Uh, as soon as we've done this, we're going to give you a chance to give as well. And um, if, you, if you're giving today, the, the money you're giving, half of it's going to go to uh, CBC Missions and half of it's going to go to the Healing School. But it's all going to get used for the gospel. Okay, every, every penny of it is going to get used for the gospel. So if you want to give today, um, go ahead and uh, we'll confuse the ushers. Put your hands up again and they'll, they'll give you envelopes in a second. And you can, uh, you can use the envelopes for uh, cash giving that needs receipted or credit card giving or debit card giving. And uh, please make your checks or um, yeah, make your checks payable to uh, Caris Bible College, CBC. Okay, so make your checks payable to Caris Bible College, CBC. And if you need an envelope, the ushers are running around with envelopes now. Uh, go ahead and use an envelope if you need a receipt for your cash giving or if you need to give by debit or credit card. And um, we'll see the offering in a second. Like I said, half of it's going to go to CBC Missions. We're going to send people all around the world on mission trips. We've been on probably, between me and my wife, we've probably been on a dozen overseas mission trips. And they're powerful. You see people's lives changed. So it's powerful. And then half of the money is going to come straight back to, to the healing school. Um, so we can keep advancing this. And this is going to be, Healing School is going to be a service we're going to provide for the community. Um, Andrew used to have people fly in specially to get prayer. And they used to fly in from all over the world, literally. We had people flying from Australia. We had people flying from Europe. Um, we had people flying from Africa just so Andrew could pray for them uh, here in the school. And it wasn't working. You know, he was having a, a lot of people fly in and um, it just wasn't working. And um, this idea was birthed. It was a vision uh, God gave a few people in the school in leadership. And then Daniel came along just at the right time, praise God. It was God's timing. And we started this healing school. And what we've been doing is we've been teaching the students how to pray for people. And our heart is to see the community come here um, to receive healing. So it's going to be exciting. So your money's going to go to that. So, um, and I just want to share quickly as well, um, before we take up the offering. You know, a lot of people say, what's money got to do? What's giving got to do with healing? What's giving got to do with receiving your healing? And um, I was one of these people that say, well, you know, giving your money... It's got nothing to do with, with healing, you know. But then I realized, you know, um, who's seen Hannah's story? My, daughter, my little daughter Hannah. Has everyone, has most people seen that? Okay. Okay. Well, that's my daughter. Most people know me as Hannah's father rather than Ashley. I don't mind that. Hannah's my daughter and she's, um, she's uh, eight years old now. She's at public school and she's, she's having a ball. She's 100% healed. But how many of you know, we're going to actually watch a little clip of that so you get to, get to see that. But, you know, while we was um, believing for her healing... We'd heard this message that God wants you well two weeks before we saw her healed. Before then, we were spirit-filled Christians. We loved the Lord. We believed God could heal, okay, but we didn't know it was God's will to heal every time. And we heard a, a free tape from Andrew Womack, and that just set us free. It was like, wow, God wants to heal my daughter. This is powerful. 
And um, as it turned out, we listened to his teachings for two weeks. And then I thought, I wonder if Andrew's ever in England. Because um, we was in England at the time. In case you haven't noticed, I'm from England. This isn't, this isn't a Colorado accent. And um, I tell some people I'm from Texas, but they don't believe me. So, um, so we're from England. Anyway, we was in England at the time. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if Andrew's ever in England. Because, you know, no one, I didn't know anyone that preached this message, okay? So I was like, I wonder if Andrew's ever in England. I looked on the website and it said, One UK Conference, the 16th of March, 2006. And I looked at my calendar and I thought, today's the 15th of March. That's tomorrow. That's good timing, praise God. So we, we, uh, we put our daughter in the car. We took her out of hospital. Um, we had to get her out of hospital. They, they, um, it was a long story. You'll see some of it on the DVD. We, we uh, drove halfway across the country to this conference, to somewhere I'd never been before, someone I'd never seen before. And um, the first uh, thing he did was take up an offering, okay? And, you know, in England, sometimes American ministries get bad rap, especially American TV ministries. It's like, it's all about the money. But you know what? I was so pleased to have this truth. Now, I hadn't seen my daughter healed yet. She was still dying. She was still sick. The doctor said maybe two weeks. So I hadn't seen her healed yet, but it set us free. Because now, even if she did die, I knew it wasn't God's will. That's huge. That is huge. It's like, I know it's God's will for my daughter to be healed. And even if we don't see the result we want... We understand now the true nature of God. So that was huge. So we were sat there in the offering, you know, he was doing an offering talk. I don't remember what he said. And I remember asking the Lord, you know, Lord, because I always like giving, you know, I used to tithe and things. I used to like giving. But I said to the Lord, well, how much will I give, Lord? And I'm thinking he might say $50, $100, you know, your standard, you know, decent amount. You know, I'm thinking, how much do you want me to give, Lord? And it's clear as a bell. God said, everything. Give everything. Now, let me tell you this, okay? (laughs) If any of you know me very much... I was like, okay, I was like, hang on. Did you say $50? Okay. <laughs> you know what? And I don't share this. I'll be honest with you. I don't share this very often. I've only shared this a few times before because it's often misunderstood. Some people go away and think, well, you was paying for your daughter's healing or you was bargaining with God. It was nothing to do with that, people. This is what happened to me personally. And not everyone has to do this, only some people. But if you're trusting in money... Okay, you have to get to a point where you can trust God with your finances. And in Luke 12, in Luke 12, read it, go home and read it. It talks all about trusting God with finances in the area of finances. And Jesus says, I think it's 1236, he says, if you can't do the least, if you can't do this least of things, why are you anxious for these other things? Why do you want to do these other things when you can't do the least thing? And he called trusting God in your finances the least the first rung in the ladder, the very least thing. A lot of people say, oh, brother, just come on, let's just get on with it. Let's get on to the spiritual things. We want to believe God for healing. We want to see spiritual things. Come on, forget about that filthy lucre. You know, we want to get on to the important stuff. No, Jesus said, this is the first rung of the, le- the, the ladder. This is the first step you have to take. Until you can trust God with your finances, you're going to struggle trusting God in other areas. It's not impossible. You can do it, but you're going to struggle. And what God was doing with me was, I was always a, a self-employed person. I was someone who made it happen myself. I had to get to the point where I trusted God in my finances completely before I could trust God in my daughter. And I didn't realize this at the time, but it moved my heart. So I was like, okay, so I did a little bit of quick calculation. How much have I got liquid in the savings account? How much have I got here? Et cetera, et cetera. I turned to my wife, I said, Carly, I said, uh, God's telling me to give everything. She's like, no problem. She's just, she's so, praise the Lord, she's so disconnected to the money. She's like, she doesn't care. 
we've, you know, we grew up in all different situations. And uh, like Paul said, I learned to be a bass. I learned to be a band. I was a youth pastor when we first got married. And I made like very, very little. And she used to say to me, how much money have I got to spend on groceries? I'd say, probably about $10. Okay, that's all I need to know. And she'd be smiling whether it was $10 or $100. She didn't care. So that was a blessing. So she said, I don't care. You know, and she said, that's what God's told you. You do it. So I figured out what I, what, I, uh, what I had liquid at the time in savings account. I wrote a check out and I put it in the offering bucket. Now what that did, that moved my heart. All of a sudden, I'd completely trusted God in my finances. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, everyone has to. Only one time in the Gospels we see that Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give everything. Okay? But what everyone does have to do is trust God with their finances. For some people, that'll be giving an amount that's so uncomfortable, you're thinking, Lord, if you're not real, I'm in big trouble. Okay? And that's good. For some people, it might just be a, a simple act of saying, Lord, I trust you with my finances. Okay? However that works out in your life, whatever the works to that faith is in your life, that's fine. You ask the Lord. Because I'm not telling everyone to give everything. Okay? But what I'm saying is, is that you need to get to a point where you trust God with your finances. And then you can move on to the other things. It's not impossible to trust God with your healing before you trust God with your finances. But I'll tell you what, it will do something to your heart. If you give your finances over to the Lord, it's a lot easier to trust him with your physical health and with other things. It really is. It's the first rung of the ladder. Luke 12, Jesus said, if you can't uh, tr- do the least, why are you anxious for the rest of things? So let me reiterate this before anyone misquotes me. I wasn't paying for my daughter's healing. I wasn't bargaining with God. It was just something in my heart I had to do to get my heart over that hurdle of trusting God completely in my finances. It was like that first rung of the ladder. And once I took that first leap of faith, I was then able to take the other leaps of faith and trust God in my healing or trust God in my daughter's healing. And it was a key point. I didn't realize it at the time until afterwards. And the Lord showed me, you know, what you did that night was you trusted me with your finances. And then you was able to trust me with the, with the more important things, you know, the next step. Uh, which was my daughter's life, basically. And the next day, how many of you know, she was healed miraculously, praise God. So as you give today, just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, now, some of you are going to say, I'm not asking now. He may say everything. No way. Listen, God is not trying to get money from you. He's trying to get money to you. I guarantee you this. If, if he says to you, give everything, you will be blessed over and over again. I'm, I'm more blessed now than I've ever been in my life. And I, I, I don't even try now. And I'm blessed. Okay? I'm just saying that to boast on the Lord. I used to try and work hard and, and run these businesses and try and get you know, good salaries. And it used to you know, be a struggle. Now, wealth and riches are in my house and there's no sorrow with it. I don't even have to strive because I've trusted God with my finances. If you have to trust God with your finances today for the first time, I'll guarantee you I can't say your money back, but I wish I could. I'll guarantee you in the long run, you'll be so blessed. Because God's your loving father. He wants to get money to you. He doesn't want to get money from you. He doesn't even want your money, folks. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And it just so happens that your money and your heart are tied together. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. And the way we're made is money is tied to your heart. And don't say it's not. Don't act spiritual. If I went and grabbed your wallet and walked out the front door, your heart would go with me. I'm telling you. It would. When them gas prices go up, your heart moves. Okay? When you get that bill in, your heart moves. Okay? So our hearts and our, and our finances are tied. And God's after our hearts, not our finances. So if God's asking you to do that, just listen to the Holy Spirit today and go for it. Take a leap of faith if you need to. If God's calling you to do that, go for it. And you will be blessed abundantly, financially and with other things as well. I promise you that. So let's take up the offering. And uh, while we're taking up the offering, we're going to uh, just play a, a video. Should have told you that, case. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Miscommunication. We've got a little, uh, just a five-minute video to play. Hopefully it will work. Everyone pray in tongues and intercede. And it should work.
This is the short version. It's about a five-minute version of Hannah's story. You can go online on Andrew's website and see the full version. Here we go. Right from day one, we knew that Hannah was going to be special. Um, she was a child that surprised us um, right from her conception. I suppose it really started when we realised Hannah was ill and we realised she was seriously ill. From the day of her birth, Hannah experienced severe stomach pain. It impaired her appetite, her physical growth and her energy level. Not to mention the strain it put on the entire family just to care for her. In the first 36 months of her life, she made more than 60 visits to doctors and hospitals. By the age of three and a half, she only weighed as much as a nine-month-old baby. Still, no doctor could determine what was actually wrong with her. She'd be constantly waking at night time. She wouldn't settle, and then when she did go to sleep, she'd be waking up, just screwing her legs up in pain. And then when it came to weaning her, she couldn't swallow lumps at all. Um, so we'd have to mash her food down, um, and this was even when she was like uh, three years old. Finally, she was referred to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital in London. Using every resource available, the doctors were finally able to establish a diagnosis. Hannah had a rare disorder called eosinophilic enteropathy. Um, now basically that has two sides to it. That has, um, on one hand, it's an allergic type reaction. And then on the other hand, she had um, another part of the disease which was autoimmune based. So her immune system would go into overdrive. Whenever she, she ate something, it would go into overdrive, thinking it was like some sort of foreign invader and attack it. She started um, deteriorating, she started losing weight, um, and her hair was getting brittle, and her, her skin started going like translucent, and she, she lost energy. Um, she was uh, toilet trained, and she lost that because she just lost so much weight, and, and, and she, she couldn't really play properly, she didn't have much energy. After trying every possible treatment, the doctors offered one last resort. They would surgically implant a feeding tube into Hannah's stomach so that she could receive nutrition through a diet of pure amino acids. This is a, a special medical uh, formula. Um, it's very, very expensive. It's about 90, 90 pounds a tin at the time when Hannah was um, using it. This was the pump that would pump the formula through the tube and into her stomach. The pump would go, it would be strapped into these straps here and then a different shape bag would be slotted in here and all strapped in securely. So when we first took her home, it was starting to work. Um, but then, um, about two days later, I think we took her home on the Friday, by the Sunday, um, she was vomiting again and she was reacting to it and she was going downhill again and it was clear that it wasn't working. When the feeding tube failed, the Teradez family made a desperate trip to the London hospital. On the way, they stopped at Carly's parents' house asking for ministry tapes to listen to during the long trip. That's when an old teaching tape by Andrew Womack was discovered in a utility drawer. This tape had been discarded for more than a decade, waiting for its moment of destiny. And when we listened to that tape, it was like all these scriptures just opened up to us. By his stripes you were healed. You know, he's the Lord. He, he heals all our diseases and redeems us from the curse. All these things. Sickness was a curse that we'd been redeemed from. All these truths just came flooding out. And it's like that one tape just opened the whole world up to us. Andrew's teaching, he was the only man I'd heard who was confident 
that God wanted my daughter healed. So I, I wondered if I could, I could meet him. So I went on the internet and um, I looked on his schedule and it had one conference in the UK because um, it's an American ministry, obviously. There's one conference in the UK, so I looked it up. It said the 16th of March. The conference was the next day, and, I mean, that, that blows me away. That, that's just, God is so, so good. So um, we, we, we put her straight in the car. We drove up to, uh, to Walsall, where the, uh, where the conference was. When we first got there, it was a real struggle because Hannah was particularly sick, and we were staying in a motel, um, and travelling to the conference every day for the sessions. And we put the boys into the children's ministry. But Hannah was, she was just too sick. She would just lay at our feet in the conference on the floor and she had a little DVD pile of headphones. She was in so much pain. Um, she wouldn't stop screaming. She wouldn't stop, stop crying. We couldn't comfort her. She was rolling around on the floor in pain. We went in the crash room to get away from the auditorium to be a bit quieter and just the room cleared within seconds of all these sleeping babies. <laughs> I don't know what they must have thought. This was the last day now. Um, she hadn't been prayed for. She was getting worse. And um, I was getting mixed up emotions. And, and part of me was feeling um, just, just despair. And, and I was feeling um, at the end of myself, if you like, with this. That was probably the first time I really cried. My emotion had got my hopes built to such a crescendo that that was like the climax. And then to, have, to feel like that's going to be snatched away, that we're going to go home and our daughter's going to die. And I was thinking, if this doesn't work, then... You know, there's, this, this was my last resort, if you like. We've come so far with such high hopes to, to miss it. Are we going to go home empty-handed? On the final day of the Curis Bible College Conference, Andrew and Jamie came into the nursery room to pray for Hannah, who'd fallen asleep from exhaustion. So, Father, Jamie and I just agree. And we thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, Hannah has already been healed. Like I said, he prayed for her. Very simple prayer. He just told the disease to go in Jesus' name. Um, told her body to be restored in Jesus' name. Um, and then we were kind of left with a, a bit of a dilemma. Like, what do we do now? She was asleep in the buggy at that time. Um, so she was asleep throughout him praying for her. Now, when she woke up, the first thing we said to her when she woke up was, Jesus has healed you. And um, she, as soon as she heard that, she smiled. She said, I want to eat. So we ended up at this KFC. We bought some chicken, and she sat there, took bites of the chicken, swallowed it, took more bites, swallowed it, ate some fries, swallowed it, ate some more, swallowed it. And we was all just looking at her in amazement, thinking, wow, she's never swallowed food like this before, ever. And um, every food group possible that could cause any sort of reaction, we tested in that first couple of hours, I think. No reaction, no problem. We left the tube off, um, no problem at all. Uh, we went back to the conference because there was one more meeting in the evening. We'd heard this little cough and we are kind of like, oh no, what's going to happen next? For the first time she just started to choke, as if she was going to throw everything up and be sick, like she would have done sometimes in the past. The boys were so used to her being sick when they heard that little cough, they'd run, run away, sick on me mummy, sick on me, and just leg it, because they thought they were going to get covered in puke. She just started to choke, and straight away I remembered the teaching, you know, don't, don't beg God to stop it, just, just command it. And I said to her, I said, choking, stop in Jesus' name. She stopped choking, and that was that. And then it happened again in the car on the way home. That night, it, it happened again. And, uh, and again, Ashley spoke over her, and she was, she was perfectly, perfectly right as rain, instantaneously. But I know that, that if we hadn't had that grounding, if we hadn't had that teaching in our heart, we, were kind of, we wouldn't have known what to do. And so when the symptoms came back, we would have just thought, oh, too good to be true. 
you know, and before you know it, full-blown manifestation of disease would have been upon her. We weren't going to let Satan rob her of her healing. He might try, but he wasn't going to win. And from that day, she's never had um, any medication, she's never had any formula food for a tube, she's never had any uh, doctor's treatment. And when we went back to the hospital to have the tube taken out, um, they did all sorts of examinations and blood tests and things. And the doctor looked at Hannah, looked at these test results, and just physically stepped back and looked at her. She said, you're perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. And Hannah just smiled at the doctors and said, I know I'm perfect. Um, so they just said she was perfect then, which was great. And um, they, they gave a general anesthetic, they removed the tube, and uh, she came to and she was absolutely fine. And she's been fine since. We hope that you've been encouraged by the story of Hannah's miracle. It certainly changed everyone in the Teradez family. After Hannah's healing, Ashley and Carly sold their home and moved to Walsall, England to become part of Karis Bible College. The next year, grandparents from both sides of the family sold homes and businesses to do the same. Today, all of them attend CBC, where they can absorb more of the teaching that made all of the difference for Hannah. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo! We love you, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. Give you praise and honor and glory. Worthy you are, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. You guys, that's awesome. What an awesome testimony. What an awesome God. Amen. We have three different volumes of Healing Journeys, and we have them available today at a table at the back of the auditorium. So uh, after Healing School today, if you'd like to purchase, uh, we have three different volumes of these Healing Journeys, and they are awesome. They're faith-building. They're uh, great tools to give to people who may be struggling with sickness and illness and be able to bless those people with this. And today we're giving this away. Who wants a Healing Journey DVD? This lady in the purple right here. I saw that hand go up first. Bless you. And how many of you have not read Andrew's book, God Wants You Well? How many have not read it? How many would like this book today? All right. Well, here's the deal, you guys. This book is absolutely life-changing. How many know that a lot of people believe that God can heal? A lot of people believe God can heal, but the issue is, will he? We know he's able, but will he? And then we have other people who believe that God heals sometimes, but we don't know why he doesn't heal all the time. Well, we believe that God always heals. It's always God's will to heal. We never have to wonder about it. And today we're going to get into the Word of God. We're going to find out what God's Word has to say. But I love this book. This book is so great. It talks about walking in divine health. Do you know that healing is not God's number one for you? Divine health is. See, God wants you to live in divine health. And in order for you to live in divine health, sometimes we need supernatural healing. Thank God for His love for us that has provided for us to live life and live it more abundantly. Amen. I saw a hand up here. Who was that? Ma'am, God bless you. Enjoy that book. Uh, that book, uh, the teaching on Paul's thorn in the flesh is worth the entire book, if nothing else. That is awesome. 
I am so excited you're here today. Praise God. This is our first public day of healing school. We have been in the process of training for six weeks. We talked about this a little bit this morning. And uh, Carly taught two of the sessions. I taught four of the sessions. And we had at our highest attendance, I think about 175 students who initially came to respond to the School of Healing and how to be trained, how to minister to the sick. And then I think we kind of evened out at about 125. And so as we've been talking about the School of Healing, uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is that we want to keep the school going throughout the year, not just during the school year, because we're opening this up to our community uh, and to anyone who wants to come. And so um, one of the beautiful benefits of this is Gary Lukey, who you've heard from several times during the Campus Days Conference, who is the administrator of our school, has given permission for people who are coming in from out of town, uh, other states, other nations even, to come to the School of Healing, which happens every Thursday afternoon from 1 o'clock until 4.30. So it's a standalone school, and uh, it happens every week from Thursday, 1 o'clock until 4.30. But he gave permission to those people who are coming in to actually come in and attend classes at CBC as a part of their coming into town. So they can actually attend class for five days and be able to take in the word of God as they're getting ready to receive their healing. Andrew's been teaching about how the seed brings forth whatever it is that God has planned and programmed in that seed. The same thing is true for healing. Amen? We have to plant those seeds in our heart to know what God really says about healing ministry in order to see that healing manifest in our lives. And we're so grateful for this opportunity to be able to minister to the sick. And the thing that I'm most excited about is that these students, this is not a part of their regular curriculum. You know, they're here from 8 o'clock in the morning until just a little afternoon every day. And these students have come to be a part of this school in addition to that in order to be able to pray for the sick. Here's another wonderful thing, I think, is that many times in healing ministry, we think about Maria Woodworth Eder, we think about Amy Simple McPherson, we think about uh, a lot of different ministers over the course of the years, you know, great healing evangelists, Oral Roberts, different people who are the anointed healing ministers, you know, and they were anointed and thank God for them. But how many know that every believer, every believer should be praying for the sick? Every believer. This is a ministry for every believer, not just a few anointed ones. Because how many know we're all anointed? That's just the truth. We're all anointed in Christ. Christ is the anointed one. And in him, we receive his anointing. And thank God that we have his authority. We have the word of God given to us and authority to be able to minister the sick. So these students, they're getting practical experience on how to minister to the sick here in the school. And uh, that's awesome because when they leave here, they're going to be so ready to go do whatever it is that God's called them into next after their time here in school. So we're just really excited about this. This is a brand new uh, thing for us. Like I said, today is our first day to actually launch this publicly, if you will. And we have a lot of interest in the community already. But we've been just really letting this um, sort of develop by word of mouth. We haven't done a lot of promo on it yet. And we just want it to be a very natural, organic kind of thing. Because how many know that Andrew is so not into hype? Amen. Neither am I. And I want God to just be God in our midst and allow him to be glorified as we do what it is God's called us to do. Amen. Amen. Are you excited to be here? Isn't this awesome? Amen. 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 
Turn and tell somebody next to you this afternoon, you just look like the glory of God. Come on, tell somebody. You just look like the glory of God. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. We also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Uh, Earlier, I believe we had a report of nearly 300 people who are tuned in watching online right now. We thank God for that. Amen. That is exciting. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to take a look at verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, as we just spend a few minutes in the Word of God today. I want to talk to you today that the process of healing, I'm calling it faith, fact, feeling, is the order of healing. Faith, fact, feeling is the order of healing. And we often have that reversed. We go by what we feel, don't we? Especially when we're dealing with illness. And what we're feeling becomes king. It becomes paramount. And we get it completely turned around. And then our feelings, we want to have those substantiated by the facts of what's happening. And then finally, we begin to you know, add some faith to the, to the mixture. But really, it needs to be completely turned around to where we understand that faith and fact and feeling is the order of healing. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter 4, and let's begin at verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that what? He loved us and sent his son to be, there's that big word, propitiation for our sins, which really means the complete and total atonement for our sins. He saved us from our sin. Beloved, if, we, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Then turn with me over to Galatians chapter 5. And let's take a look at this scripture. We're going to look, by the way, at a lot of scripture this afternoon because this is healing school. And we want to know what God's word says about this topic rather than what people say about it, uh, even though they may be well-meaning. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. And we find out in verse 6, for it says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Amen. So when we begin to understand that the love of God, when we begin to receive the love of God into our lives, our faith becomes effective at working because faith works by love, by understanding how much God loves me. Did you know that every person who is born again has enough faith to believe God for whatever needs to be received? You have enough faith for healing right now. Amen. And we often get into this trap where we think that we've got to develop this whole, you know, thing to get enough faith. No, the minute you're born again, you have enough faith. Amen. God's life has been shed abroad in your heart and through him, through his love, through his provision for us. Now we begin to respond and we respond by agreeing with God's word and believing what God says about us instead of what other people say about us. So our faith becomes effectual. It begins to work by understanding how much God loves us. 
But how many know there is a process, just like I love this, when I was preparing my notes for today, uh, several days ago, uh, God gave me Mark 4 as a part of our teaching today. Can you believe it? Yeah, love it. So God's word is like seed. We've been hearing that during our campus days this week. And I love that analogy because it is so great. It's such a great visual picture for us. And as we begin to see God's word sown into our hearts, we've got to spend time in the word of God. We've got to give ourselves to the word of God. And the Bible says that faith comes by what? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you notice faith does not come by praying? That's a revelation. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, if we're listening to music or we're listening to all kinds of other stuff, and how many know that in our culture today, we are being bombarded by all kinds of voices? We're being bombarded by all kinds of sounds and stimulus. And none of those things in and of themselves are necessarily wrong. But what we've done is we've become fatigued with our ears to where we're hearing all kinds of other stuff. Andrew talked about this the other night, when I think just last night actually, that when you're sitting down and watching a television program, how many of you have DVRs? Do you just thank God for your DVR? I'm serious. I love DVRs because when my wife and I watch TV, we often uh, start taping it before we actually watch the broadcast, start recording it, so that when it comes to the commercials, we don't have to watch them. They're so horrible. I mean, it's like how many commercials are full of prescriptions and medicines and, you know, telling you about how you should feel at this stage of your life. And, you know, if you're, you know, I mean, they're dictating these things to you all the time through advertising. And so we have all these voices that are coming to us. And sometimes the voice of faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We don't spend enough time in the word of God to develop that seed that's been planted in our hearts by the Lord. And we know that God can, but we have got to realize that God's will is this. And then give ourselves over to it and really plunge in. Romans 12, 2, you know this scripture very well. Romans 12, 2 says this. And do not be conformed to the world. (laughs) Think of those commercials. I don't know how anybody ever had a sexual life being married before, you know, two, three years ago. I mean, seriously, how many sex commercials do we have to have on TV in order for you to have a good sexual relationship if you're married? I mean, how did any guy ever live before three, four years ago and have a healthy sexual life? It's ridiculous. We don't need all that medication in order for us to have a healthy marriage. Amen. We don't need to have all that stuff in order for us to live, you know, victoriously and as overcomers. What we need is the word of God to take root in our hearts and then give place to that so that that seed can be watered and cultivated and begin to grow up within us. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world. Amen. But be what? Transformed. And how does it happen? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good, and that word prove means test, by the way, so that you can test what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, there are some people that teach that the will of God is like degrees. You heard that teaching? You know, well, you have the good will, and then you have like, 
you know, you're probably not in the good will, but maybe you're just in the acceptable will of God right now. And, and then you have the perfect will of God. And if only I could get into the perfect will of God, I don't know. I, I'm probably just in the good will of God right now. How ridiculous is that? God's will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect all the time. Amen. God's will is always good, it's always acceptable, and it's always perfect. Thank God. Well, what's God's will regarding healing? See, we have to know. And if you grew up like I did, my dad was a Baptist pastor. My mother got spirit-filled. We were living in Montana at the time. My dad was uh, the first Baptist church pastor in Lewistown, Montana. Anybody from Montana? All right, so you know where Lewistown is? Okay. My dad was pastor up there, and he was teaching about Jesus. He was doing a series in the Gospels in this Baptist church and got called into the, uh, what is that, um, I want to say deacons meeting or whatever it was, but whoever kind of ran the church, you know, he got called into a meeting one night, and the end of the meeting was that my dad got fired from the church. You know why he got fired? He was teaching too much about Jesus. One of the board members was in there smoking a cigarette, you know, and they were telling him he needed to be more relevant. He got kicked out of the church because he was teaching too much about Jesus. So we ended up being unchurched as a pastor's family, which was really weird, for a period of time. My dad went to go work at a missile site in Montana. And while working at the missile site, met this man who was an Assembly of God uh, guy who worked there. He invited us over to the First Assembly of God Church in this particular town. And amazingly, through the friendship that my dad developed with Mr. Peterson, we ended up going. Well, that was the first introduction that we had ever had as a family to anything remotely spirit-filled. And I remember listening to the worship for that very first time, and it was so different from what we had in our Baptist church. And, and I remember somebody playing trumpet and somebody playing a clarinet, and they began singing, and it was really different sounding from what I was used to. It was like really happy. You know, I remember when I was a kid, we would sing the doxology. Anybody ever grew up like that, you know? I kind of miss that now, by the way, you know? But at the end of the offering, we'd always sing at the end of the doxology, Praise Father, Son, and... That's the only time I ever knew there was one. I'm just saying. I always, as a kid, kept thinking, I wonder what he looks like. You ever thought that about the Father? You ever wondered, you know, what does the Father look like? Well, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen... So here we are now in this First Assembly of God Church, and they're singing songs like, Lord, send the old-time power, the Pentecostal power. And it says, boom, boom. And I remember as a kid, I'm just thinking, wow, this is weird. And my sister and I started laughing. My older sister, the first Sunday we were there, we were just thinking, man, these people are just way too happy. This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And the next Sunday we came back, amazingly enough, especially for my parents who had five kids, and uh, my older sister and I, instead of laughing the second time we came back, we began to cry. Because it was like we sensed something that we had never sensed before. In this organic little small church atmosphere, we began to sense the presence of God. We didn't even know what it was. And 
my mother ended up sovereignly, I mean amazingly, in our living room of our Baptist church family home, opening up the Bible one day and finding out that it was God's will to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And as a Baptist pastor's wife, she received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues in Lewistown, Montana. It really messed up our family. Can you imagine what our devotions were like? Can you imagine what our quiet times were like? Here's my mom who's spirit-filled and she's still a Baptist pastor's wife. And so, long story short, one of, one of us at a time, we all eventually got spirit-filled, our whole family, including my dad. He's still alive. He lives up in Denver. He's 92 years old. Praise God. Still in great health. And, you know, he began to prepare a whole message on why tongues was not from the Lord. Amen. And he ended up getting spirit-filled. I used to live in Alamosa, which is where I met my wife, Tracy, who was going to Adams State College. And uh, I was the president of the Full Gospel Businessmen at the time. And we brought in Pat Boone and Charles and Francis Hunter and different people. And at a Charles and Francis Hunter meeting, uh, my dad went forward to get filled with the Holy Ghost. This is like many, 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 many years later after preparing a series on why, the tongues, uh, why tongues were from the devil. Yeah, that was interesting. And uh, so anyway, my dad got baptized in the Holy Spirit, went down to the power of the Holy Ghost, and afterwards he was so happy and speaking in tongues. And he said, but only one thing really bothered me. And I'm like, what's that, Dad? He goes, I just can't believe those ministers pushed me. <laughs> and I said, Dad, they never even touched you. They were like that far from even laying hands on him, and bam, he went down into the power of the Lord. Hallelujah. So my whole family got radically changed, but when I grew up, I grew up thinking that this had all passed away. I didn't know that healing was something that we could walk in, that Jesus had provided for us, and that it was really ours to not only walk in, but experience and be able to minister to other people. And so our family became dramatically changed as a result of the Word and the Spirit being able to come alive in us. And so Mark 4, 14, you don't have to turn there, but Andrew's been ministering a lot this week about this. It's the parable of the seed and the sower. And we have to understand something about seed, you guys. Did you know that seed is absolutely powerless? Until it's planted. You can put it in a jar and it will absolutely do nothing. You can put it on a shelf. Did you know they've taken seeds out of Egyptian tombs? Thousands and thousands of years later, and as soon as they plant them, they begin to grow. So we have to get planted and rooted and grounded in what God's word says about healing. No one can expect to receive a crop if you have not planted seed. Amen? So it's time, don't you believe, church? It's time for us to really step into this and understand what God's will is regarding healing. And thank God for so many here at this college. Uh, Barry Bennett, who you heard this morning, has a wonderful, an entire course on healing. And it is awesome. I've listened to it. I've been blessed by it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Ashley and Carly, different ones here teach on healing. Other teachers teach on healing besides Andrew. And we're all embracing the word of God here because it's what we believe. It's what we're living. It's not just an idea. Amen. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is that when we 
use the word salvation. I, I could spend really all afternoon talking about this. But there's a Greek word that says sozo. It's, it's sozo in the Greek. It's kind of a weird Greek word in a way, you know, when you hear sozo, it's like, what's that? But really when the Bible talks about us being saved, in that word salvation, there's all kinds of expression of the life of God. And just in a nutshell, what we find is that we find healing, we find forgiveness of sin, we find deliverance, we find everything we need has already been abundantly supplied in Christ. And in Scripture, many times, we see where we're forgiven of sin, and most people have no problem with the gospel message when it comes to forgiveness of sin. They can receive that message easily. But what they don't understand is that the very same gospel message has provided healing for us, just like it has forgiveness of sin. It's not something that we have to try to get. It's something that's already ours. All we have to do is receive it. Amen. So thank God for that. Let me, let me show you a couple things here. Psalm 103. Look at this. Psalm 103. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Psalm 103. Very familiar scripture for most of you. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless, what? His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and... Some of your diseases. See, we have no problem with the forgiveness of sin, but when it comes to diseases, we think, well, you know, God doesn't really heal all the time. Well, that's not what the word says. He said, he forgives us of our iniquities and heals all our diseases. Aren't you so grateful today, church, that Jesus, whatever he does, he does it well. Amen. Look over at Psalm 107 and verse 20. Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Praise God. If we had time today, we could spend a lot of time talking about this whole expression of how God anointed Jesus, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus, healing all that were oppressed by the who? You notice God was not oppressing them. All of these who were healed were healed by the Lord. These sicknesses and diseases were not brought on their bodies by God. Rather, they were oppressed by the devil. Amen. This is a real battle that we're in. This is a real tangible thing. We have a real tangible enemy. But what I think has often happened in current theology is that current theology has often uh, covered over the real core element of this thing, which I believe is not the power of God. Much of modern theology talks about the power of God. And thank God that God is powerful. But do you know where, nowhere in scripture does God ever say that about himself. But what we find out God is saying about himself is that he is love. He is love. And we have to get a grip on what God's word really says about his love for us. Because when we begin to understand the compassion and the mercy of God, when we begin to understand how much God loves us, then we begin to really begin to release our faith. Because you know what faith is? It's really trusting in God's love for you. If God loves you so much to provide healing for you, why would you not trust that? Why would you not believe that? 
So I don't think we have a faith problem many times. I think we have a love issue. We don't really believe we're worthy. We don't really believe that God loves us. We believe God loves that other person who did all those great things for him. But does God really love me? Yes, he really does. Amen. And he's provided all things for us so that we might live in abundance in God. We might live life abundantly. Now, I want to take a look at this. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 1. I want to just take a look at the compassion of the Lord today, just for a few minutes. The compassion of the Lord. When we talk about God loving us, we often think, well, what does that really look like? Well, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you want to know what the compassion of the Lord looks like, let's take a look at it. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are what? Willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with what? Compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Do you know what? I think if our motivation is to prove how powerful we are in God, I think we've totally missed it. When it comes to ministering healing to people, It's not about how powerful we are. It's about being filled with the love of God. Amen? Jesus was moved with compassion. And where was the power? In the compassion. See? If we want to see the Holy Ghost demonstrated, where are we going to see it? In the love of God. Do you know the anointing of God does not abide in legalism? You want to know where the glory is? It's in grace. The grace of God, when we begin to talk about it, when we begin to operate in it, what happens? The manifested presence of God. The presence of God in us is not hindered. We're not stopping up God from flowing. One of the students came to me and and he said to me last week, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, I don't know if he's here today, but he said, you know, I have a problem sometimes listening to you teach because it sounds like you're just talking about the glory of God within. What about the glory of God upon He said, are you saying that that doesn't really happen? He said, I've been in services where the anointing is so manifest, it's just completely opposite. I mean, it's completely awesome. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there, there is not such a thing as the anointing upon. But what I'm saying is the anointing upon comes because the anointing is within. See, when we begin to allow the life of God in us to come out from us, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water how do you think the place becomes manifest with the presence of god out of us like i said this morning we don't have to wait for a cloud praise god we're under a better covenant so what we do now is we release the god the life of god within us and it comes up out of us and all of a sudden this place is filled with the presence of god If you could liken this to water and you have living uh, rivers of living water inside of you, what would happen is we would go from just a trickle to absolutely rivers in this place. See, we would be just slopping around in in water if it was a physical thing. See, how does that happen? Because we've all let God arise. Psalm 68 verse 1. Let God arise and what happens? The enemies are scattered. See, 
We've got to make the choice to come into agreement with the love of God, the compassion of God. And Jesus was moved with compassion, and he says, Oh, I am. I'm not only able, but I'm willing. Be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Hallelujah. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. You you know, man, how can I communicate this effectively today? If we really began to believe what the word of God says about this, do you know we would have no problem growing our churches? We'd have no problem seeing people come because people are so hungry for the real deal. They're so hungry to come into an atmosphere where the compassion of God is the motivation, not to prove how powerful I am, not to prove how powerful you are, but to love people with the love of God. And as we know God loves us, then we can love people as they are. Amen. And our faith becomes effective. Because faith works by love. Thank God for that. Amen? Look it over with me at Matthew chapter 14. I think the modern theology often veils the love of God. And the love of God is so key, which is one of the things I love so much about Andrew's teaching, is because it's become such a revelation to him that if you're around here, that thing just begins to explode on the inside of you. It's not long before you start getting it, and you get it in a greater revelation than you ever had before. Look at this. When Jesus heard it, verse 13, Matthew 14, 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with what? Compassion for them, and he healed their sick. And Jesus said to them, they do not need to go, or sorry, while it was evening, verse 15, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into their villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Wow, talk about practical ministry. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here. And we know what happened. He broke them and blessed them and It fed the whole multitude. And they had stuff left over, didn't they? Have you ever wondered what what happened with the leftover stuff? You think maybe the little boy got the leftovers? Just a thought. Jesus was moved with what? Compassion. Multitudes came to him. He's off in a deserted place. He's not trying to build a big ministry, build, build, uh, build a big crowd. He's off in a deserted place, and people find out where he is and what happens. They come because they know they're going to receive compassion, not criticism. And here in our healing school, we don't criticize you for where you are in your process of receiving healing. Everybody's in different places regarding this. But what we want to do is water that seed, encourage it, and speak to those mountains in your life and command them to be cast into the sea. Praise God. Because God is faithful. Look over with me at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20 and verse 29. The compassion of the Lord is amazing. It is something else. 
Verse 29 says, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed them. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. See, the Lord is merciful. And if we had time to go into the Greek and the Hebrew words, we'd find out that these words for compassion and mercy and, and all these kind of things, all have, they're just really rich with meaning. But all of it is talking about how much God loves us. Understanding that he is for us, he is not against us. And the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, verse 31. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) Seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Okay? Verse 30 says, These men were what? They were blind. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. Do you know, you can be ministering to people who come up in a wheelchair and you say, what are you believing God for today? And they'll say, um, I've got a really bad headache. And you think as a prayer minister that the obvious thing is that they're in a wheelchair, right? And so that you think they're coming forward to be out of the wheelchair. Well, not necessarily. See, so Jesus sees these blind men and he says to them, what do you want me to do for you today? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Jesus wanted to know where they were at. And he met them where they were at. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And what happened? Immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So when we see the compassion, yes, of the Lord, we begin to see that God always on the other side or at the end of that compassion, we see supernatural manifestation of the power and the presence of God. One last scripture here, Mark chapter 5. Turn with me if you would. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Mark 5, 19 and 20, regarding this whole thing of compassion. However, Jesus did not permit him. Uh, Let's start with verse 18, so this makes sense. Um, This is about the demon-possessed man, and we don't have time to do the whole story here. But verse 18 says, When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Hallelujah. So whenever Jesus ministered, he ministered out of compassion. Whether it was healing, whether it was deliverance, whatever it was, it was his compassion as he ministered this to people that on the other side of this, we always saw a manifestation that brought physical change. And we thank God for that. Amen. Now, in John 14, one of the things that I was taught when I was growing up in the Baptist church was that that was great for Jesus, and it was okay for the apostles, but it passed away with the last apostle. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah, Yeah, the healing ministry kind of passed away, the gifts of the Spirit passed away, whatever, you know. Well, where do you suppose that lie came from? Exactly. Because Scripture does not bear that out whatsoever. In fact, Jesus said, Greater work shall you do than I've done, because why? I have to go to the Father. But I'm going to send another comforter who will be with you, and he'll be in you. And you know what? Forget about the greater works. What if we just did the works? Amen? What if we just did what Jesus did? 
You know, I believe there's, there's many different levels of understanding on this scripture, but how many know I think that part of what Jesus was talking about here was the greater works in that Jesus was not now going to be physically limited to the earth, but because he was going to go to the Father, his spirit came down on the, sec- on the second chapter of Acts, the day of Pentecost, went into the church, and now all of us are able to do the works of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says, greater still, because now we are the body of Christ all over the earth. What does the glory of God look like all over the earth? We sang it today. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. The Old Testament prophetic word is. Well, what does that look like? I think the glory of God is going to be when we see people healed, we see people delivered, we see people walking in abundance, we see people blessed to the Lord, we're going to look at them and say, wow, the glory of God is being manifest through you. Remember the one guy in the, in the Bible, I'm paraphrasing incredibly here, but remember the one guy in the Bible who, who the disciples said, well, Lord, who sinned, his parents or him, that he was sick? And Jesus said, neither, but that the glory of God might be revealed. See, what does the glory of God look like? I think it looks like wellness. Amen? I think it looks like health. I think it looks like wholeness. It does not look like sickness. Sickness does not give glory to the Lord. Amen. Health and healing gives glory to the Lord. And then look at this in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. You know, it's one thing for Jesus to do this and to be filled with compassion, filled with with love for, for people. But look over here in Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. In fact, let's begin with verse 15. The believers are increasing here. Uh, the church is just growing like crazy. And it says, So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those that were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all... See? They didn't remain sick. They were all healed. See, we have to understand that our expectation has to be in God, in the Word of God. When you doubt God's love for you, His compassion for you, I believe it grieves the heart of the Lord. How do you grieve God's heart? I don't know, but you know what? Jesus wept over Jerusalem. You know, when He stood over Jerusalem in in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, He says, man, I, I just wanted to minister to you in such a greater way. And as he stood there and looked and and he wept, you know, what happens when we uh, abort the compassion of the Lord? When we don't understand how much God loves us and we try to do something on our own, we try to prove something with our own initiative, out of our own will, rather than relying upon the Spirit of God. God's compassion is awesome. And when we begin to understand how much God loves us and that he is for us and not against us, I'm telling you, if God is for you, who can be against you? And God is for us. He is so for us. He loves us incredibly. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Who for the joy that was set before him. In fact, let's turn there quickly and then we're going to wrap this up. Hebrews 12, because I want to give lots of time for ministering today. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know why I believe he sat down? 
Come on. Because it's finished. We don't have to beg Him anymore. He is our great intercessor. Amen? He ever lives to make intercession for us. The price has been fully paid. And this merciful, compassionate high priest that we see right here, looking unto Jesus, the Bible says that he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He cares for us. That's why we can cast our care on him. The Bible says that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Man, I I thought about that, and I know you know this already, but I thought about that one day. My wife and I were just meditating on that scripture together. And it was just like the the seed of God's word just exploding in our hearts as God clearly showed us that the joy that was set before him was me. Not just the whole world, for God so loved the world, but it was me. God saw me. Jesus saw me and was willing to pay the price just for me. The joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? He already knew he was going to go back to be with the Father. That was certainly joyful. He knew he was going to be at the right hand. That was certainly joyful. But that wasn't the joy. The joy was he was fully paying the price to have relationship with you for all of eternity. Fully paying the price. That's why on the cross he could say, it is finished. He's been touched with all the feelings of our infirmity. See, the enemy gets us to doubt, well, you know, God doesn't really love you in that area. God loves you in this area, but not so much in that area. The truth is, no, God loves us in every area. Amen. God couldn't possibly love us any more than he does. God is love. Amen. And the Lord loves us so much that he paid the price, not only for our salvation, but for our healing. He paid the price for us to live life and live it abundantly. Live it in the spirit of God. So church, I'm telling you what, when we begin to get a grasp on this and how much God loves us, it'll totally transform us. It'll change us. I said here, you have to decide who's going to be louder. The hiss of the enemy or the voice of God. What does God say? The enemy comes and says, Hath God said? God comes and says, this is what I say. This is what I said. But we've got to know it. We've got to believe it. We've got to let that seed grow in us until absolutely that root begins to take really root in us. And from the root comes the fruit. Always. Always. So is God for you? Has he provided your healing? Are you the sick trying to get well? Or are you the well-resisting sickness? See the difference? What do you see on the inside? Even if you're carrying a disease right now, you're not the sick trying to get well. You're the well-resisting sickness. This This sickness is just temporary. And we apply the word of God to it, and what happens to the sickness? It has to leave. See, a lot of people believe they're in faith when really they're in hope. Carly was teaching on this uh, a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. You know, how does faith work? It works together with hope. We have to have hope in order to have faith. But see, if you're hoping to receive a healing, you know, you hear people say, well, you know, I believe God for healing, but it just hasn't manifested yet. I'm hoping to be healed. No, do you see yourself healed? 
Or do you just believe it theologically? Has that seed painted the picture on the inside of your heart to where you see yourself as the Lord sees you? As the Word of God declares that we can have and we can be. Amen. When we begin to see it on the inside, that sickness is on its way out. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for the gifts of healing. Thank God for all that the Lord's given us. You know, I'm so grateful to God that He just wants us well. He wants us well. But do you know a lot of famous healing evangelists, their families died with just incredible sicknesses. For those of you who studied the stories, you know, done some historical uh, study on this, oftentimes they did. And I was talking to Andrew one day about this when I first got here, and I said, Andrew, what's your position on the gifts of healing, and how is that different from just a believer believing God for healing? And I loved his answer, because we were talking about this with, he said, you know, a lot of these people learn how to minister out of the gifts of healing, because that was one of the gifts that they had. So when they minister to other people, how many of the gifts are given to profit with all? They're given to bless somebody else. Amen? Those gifts are given to be a blessing to somebody else. And he said they learn how to minister out of those gifts, but they never really learn how to receive healing as a believer. If you, if you know how to receive healing as a believer, and then those gifts manifest, it'll be a good thing for you. Because you know what? You'll be standing strong. And you'll have more than enough to give when God says to you, Minister healing to this person. How many times have you been walking through a grocery store or through a situation and you see somebody sick and you're like, man, I'd love to pray for them. But you don't. And many times why we don't is because we're afraid. Well, what if it doesn't happen? One of my pastors in Greeley years ago said, you know, what if I lay hands on them and they die? And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, you can't take any credit for that any more than you can for when they're healed. Isn't that good? So see, when we get caught up in fear and we get caught up in all that stuff, it begins to neutralize us to where we don't do anything. We just walk around as tolerant Christians. And God says, man, I want to lift you higher. I want to, everything I provided for you, let's activate it. Let's jump in. Let's get in the deep end of the pool and let's do this thing. God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's the word of God. I know Aunt Susie was well-meaning, but God bless her, she's not the word of God. You know, if you have a grandma or somebody who died while believing God, my mother died believing God for, for healing and she had cancer when she died. But she stood strong. But you know what? She died and she died with cancer. And you've got to decide, what is it do I really believe? Is my mother's death going to shape my future or am I going to believe the word of God? Amen. We've got to decide what we believe. And as we make that a core of who we are, then the fruit will come from the root. How many ready to receive healing today? Amen. God is good and he loves me passionately. Say it with me. God is good and he loves me passionately. Say it again and do this. God is good and he loves me passionately. Woo! Glory to God. Yes. 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 
Ushers, if you would come, I'm going to call for those of you who have been trained in our healing school to come and just come across the front here. And then I'm going to ask for those of you who want to receive healing to come up in a minute. But for those of you who've been trained in our healing school, come on up. And we want to just make this available to whoever wants to receive healing. And we're so blessed for the um, worship team who are going to be providing acoustic music for us uh, while the uh, healing ministry takes place. And if you do not want to receive healing today, you are more than welcome to be dismissed at this point. But if you want to receive healing, we're going to be here until about 4.30 if we need to today. Because we want to minister the Word of God to you and help you through your healing process to be able to receive what God has given to you. Look at all these beautiful students up here. Every one of these people are students. Hallelujah.